Welcome to A Fork in Time, the alternate history podcast. Welcome back to If Work in Time, the alternate history podcast. Alexis back in the host chair. Let's see if I can go a little bit longer than the uh, last episode I did by myself, which I think is our shortest to date, a record about seven minutes. So I'm going to try and go a little bit longer today. And we're actually going to talk about a topic that's a little bit different than something we would normally cover, and that it isn't a specific event, but rather what would have happened if things had taken a different turn right at the beginning of the United States existence as a country. Today we're going to be discussing who would be the current leader of the United States if George Washington had been given the role of monarch instead of elected as the republic's first president. Now this is all complete conjecture. Obviously we know that George Washington never did become king. In fact he was completely against such a notion. In 1782, a letter was written to him by a general in the army uh, suggesting that he take the title of king, and he flat out rejected the idea. He didn't like it one bit. Uh, Alexander Hamilton also put forward the idea of a quote-unquote president for life with the option for impeachment. So that has some elements of a monarchy, but the next ruler would have been elected uh, following the death of the previous one. Uh, wouldn't follow the hereditary line uh, necessary for a monarchy. And also the idea of impeachment being a way to remove the leader makes it impossible to actually call that a monarchy. You can actually go on quite a few internet journeys looking into this topic, some of which I did uh, in the research leading up to this. It's easy to do since there are around 8,000 people in the world that can claim some kind of relationship to George Washington. So there's tons of people who can claim descent from him. That being said, we're going to explore just three family lines today. The reason for that is that they are, at least to me, the most straightforward to follow. Uh, you can get a little convoluted, and we'll talk about the reasons why you can get a little convoluted. And they also make the most plausible sense, and we'll talk about those reasons as well as we go through. The reason there are so many options is pretty simple. Uh, George Washington himself had no biological children. Therefore, we have to rely on other branches of the family tree to determine who had the best claim to the quote-unquote crown in this instance. This is actually how the episode today gets its title. If you are a somewhat long-time listener to the show, you've heard me refer to that cousin jump that occurs in English history to find the next monarch after direct line dies out. Well, here we would have to do the same thing. I mentioned to my dad that I was working on this episode, and he just looked at me, he's like, well, I already know what we're going to call it. And at first I was like, what are you talking about? And I said something else. And he goes, no. And I said, well, what were you thinking? He goes, uh, the American cousin jump. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I just started laughing. Um, because it actually makes a lot of sense. But before we start exploring the various options for who would be the current king or queen of America, let's take a quick break and hear a word from one of the sponsors of the podcast. Would groceries delivered to you in as fast as one hour save you a trip to the store? Instacart makes that possible thanks to personal shoppers in your area who hand-select items based on your preferences from the stores you love. 
and shopping multiple stores is possible on a single order. Instacart picks the freshest produce and even keeps your eggs safe, all while finding everything you usually buy, providing smart suggestions for new items, and even highlighting deals to help you save money. And now you get free delivery on your first order over $35. Let Instacart know we sent you and help support our show by following the link in the show notes. Instacart. Groceries delivered in as fast as one hour. Welcome back to the show. We talked a little bit about George Washington before the break, but I'd like to mention a few more details about his life as well as his family since we know he would have been uh, chosen as the first uh, king of this new nation. Uh, so let's get to know a little bit of his family as we talk about uh, who would have succeeded him and who went before him a little bit too. George Washington served as a colonel in the Virginia Regiment during the French and Indian War, which is the American name for the Seven Years' War. Uh, it's one of those wars that has multiple names depending on where you are in the world uh, and who you're actually dealing with in the fighting. Uh, the Seven Years' War was fought between Britain and France. Uh, in America, we call it the French and Indian War. It was fought between French uh, colonists in America, what became America, the New World, and the Indians, the Native Americans who sided with the French. Uh, in that fight. Uh, he was also a successful businessman as a tobacco plantation owner. He was elected as a delegate to the Continental Congress, where he was selected to be the commander-in-chief of the Continental Army. He was in command when the British surrendered at Yorktown, and he handed in his resignation as commander-in-chief of the army following the signing of the Treaty of Paris in 1783, which is the treaty that basically forms uh, the United States of America. In the real timeline, of course, President George Washington was elected in 1789. He served two terms of office, leaving in 1797 to be followed by President John Adams. Washington died at his family home of Mount Vernon in 1799. But we don't focus on the what did here at A Fork in Time. We focus on the what if. So for our sakes, King George I died in 1799. What now? First, a little bit of a disclaimer. As we go down these family trees, we are going to be talking about people who actually still live and are living in the real world, having real lives. So I'm going to be pretty vague with details um, since they do have their own personal lives. They just happen to be descended from George Washington through various means. Also, it isn't my intention to do a real deep dive into what the policies of these different monarchs will be. We'll talk a little bit about uh, some key aspects of these people as we go through, but not really trying to do a deep discussion about uh, what they would have uh, put forward at when it was their turn to be on the on the throne uh, just kind of talking talking generally today I am mainly interested in following the line to see who would be the leader if America had followed a hereditary line of leadership instead of an elected one so to set the stage for who would lead after George Washington's death we have to go back into his family tree a little bit to meet some of those other key players uh, the first member of the Washington family to set foot on soil that would eventually become the United States was John Washington. Uh, he was born in England and arrived in the colony of Virginia in 1657. Uh, he was a colonel in the local militia as well as a tobacco plantation owner. He was also elected to serve in the local government and he had a son named Lawrence. Lawrence married Mildred Warner. She was actually a 12th generation descendant of England's King Edward III, so George Washington actually did have a tiny bit of royal blood running through his veins. Although, to be honest, so do a lot of other people. 
uh, Edward III had quite a few children who liked to jockey for position within their family. His children and their descendants are the reason we have this little period in English history called the World of the Roses, which I'm sure will be a, po- a topic on this podcast in the future. Uh, so a lot of people uh, are able to claim descent from, from various kings. Edward III is, is a pretty popular one for that, but it's just an interesting, interesting little tidbit. So anyway, moving on, uh, Lawrence and Mildred had a son named Augustine. Augustine was only four years old when his father died, so he was actually sent with, to live with other relatives until he reached the age of 18 and came back. Uh, he first married Jane Butler and had two sons, uh, Lawrence and Augustine, named after his father. Uh, following Jane's death, Augustine then married Mary Ball and had five more children, a daughter, Betty, as well as four sons, Samuel, John A., Charles, and their oldest son, George. Augustine died when George, his oldest son by Mary, was only 11. His son Lawrence, his oldest by Jane, then inherited the family estate. Lawrence had served in the War of Jenkins' Heir, which was a war between Britain and Spain, and he actually renamed the family estate after his commanding officer during that war, a man by the name of Vernon, so the estate came to be known by the name we know it today, Mount Vernon. On Lawrence's death, the family estate was split between Augustine Jr., George's older half-brother, the son of Augustine and Jane, and George himself. I know that's a lot of names and a lot of family history there, but it will be important going forward. And a fair bit of warning that a lot of the names repeat, so I will do my... You probably already noticed that between the Augustines and the Lawrences already, so I'll do my best to kind of delineate and distinguish between who's who as we go forward and move through it. I mentioned earlier in the show that there's going, we're going to be following three family lines, and we're going to follow them in decreasing order of what I think is the most likely based on hereditary claim to the throne of the United States. The first claimant uh, in this most, most logical, in my opinion, line uh, we have is Augustine Washington, which is George's older half-brother, born to his father Augustine and his first wife Jane. Normally in monarchies, kings and queens don't have older siblings. The person wearing the crown gets it because they are the oldest or they have run out of family members and they're the only ones left. However, this situation is a little bit different since the first king had to be chosen. Uh, So we do, uh, on George Washington's death, there actually is an older hereditary line that you can kind of journey down. Augustine's son, William Washington, was actually the first name listed on the list of executors for the will of George Washington. So it logically follows that he would have followed him in that line of succession. The next king couldn't have been Augustine himself uh, because he died before George was even elected to be the first king in 1762. William I would have been on the throne for 11 years and followed by his son Bushrod as Bushrod I. Bushrod the first rule would have lasted for 12 years until his death when he was followed on the throne by his son Spotswood. These are some interesting names that we would have had on our throne here. Uh, Spotswood the first then would have held the throne for 34 years before passing it on to his son Bushrod the second for a nice long reign of 53 years. Uh, following Bushrod II's death, the nation would have had its first queen regnant. That would be Queen Estella. And she would have sat on the throne from 1918 until 1931. She died without children, so the throne would have passed to her cousin Lee, who reigned until 1969. 
Lee's daughter Odell then occupied the throne until 2000 when she was succeeded by her daughter Brenda, who would be the current monarch if we're following this line of thinking. So that's option number one, Queen Brenda. Now it is true that George Washington had no biological children, but he did have stepchildren. And one of those children is uh, the person we're going to be talking to next in the line that we're going to explore uh, and that they would descend from. George's wife, Martha Washington, had two children from a previous marriage, Patsy and John. John died the, during the American Revolution, uh, but his son, George Washington Park Custis, uh, was raised with George Washington in the presidential mansion and was the adopted grandson of George Washington. This George... George II, would have had a nice long reign of 58 years before passing the crown to his daughter Mary, Mary I. Mary's husband was Robert E. Lee. Yes, that Robert E. Lee, who led the Confederate Army during the United States Civil War. Just let that sink in for a minute. General Robert E. Lee is the United States' first king consort, if we're talking in this line. Now, granted, if we're following this line... Uh, where George the George the first, the President George Washington, is actually granted the title of king. It's possible that these people might have married different people. We'd have different children, so maybe there wouldn't have been a King Robert E. Lee. But for the sake of argument, let's say uh, Mary married the same person, Robert E. Lee. So you would have had a king consort, Robert. Robert died in 1873. So next up on the throne was her son, uh, Mary, and Robert's son, George Washington Custis Lee, who would have been on the throne as George III. He died without children, so the throne then went to his nephew, nephew Robert E. Lee, another cousin jump, to get us Robert I. Next up to where the crown was Robert's brother George as George IV. Then his son, Robert E. Lee IV, as Robert II. Then we would get uh, to the current monarch, Robert E. Lee V, who would be on the throne as Robert III. It's interesting, and I had to keep reminding myself as I was doing this research, because America is not a monarchy, we don't follow the naming conventions, and so I kept getting confused between, like, Robert E. Lee V really would have been Robert III. But, typically, when you have a monarchy, you go by your regnal name, so Robert III. It was just I kept getting confused <laughs> between the two things, so interesting little side note there. The last family tree we're going to follow derives its possibility, its plausibility based on George Washington's will, since it's the most distant in terms of blood relation. In his will, George Washington left the bulk of his estate to his nephew, Bushrod. This Bushrod, not the same as the one from that second line, this Bushrod is the son of John A. Washington, George's younger full brother. Um, in the real timeline, Bushrod served on the United States Supreme Court from 1798 to 1829. You'll notice he was appointed to the Supreme Court after George Washington left office, so he was actually appointed by John Adams to serve on the court. I think this serves as a good indicator that he actually was a good politician. He actually had a sound uh, judicial mind. Uh, it wasn't just a family connection that got him the job. Uh, in our timeline, he would have been Bushrod the first for 30 years, but he died without children, so the throne would have passed to his nephew, John A. Washington II, or John I, for 26 years. Next up was his son, John A. Washington III, or John II. John II would have had a relatively short reign of just six years. On the real timeline, he was a Confederate officer 
and the last private owner of the Mount Vernon estate. Now, I mentioned we're not going to get too into the weeds uh, with talking about policies and what the kind of, you know, law of the land, so to speak, would have been with these monarchs on the throne. We've already talked about Robert E. Lee. We obviously know him from history. He was the, the leader of the Confederate Army and, of course, the Confederacy. Uh, one of the pillars of the Confederacy was the slavery. Um, so now, of course, we have a Confederate officer uh, who would have been on the throne. And I mentioned he's also the last private owner of the Mount Vernon estate. Uh, he actually gives it to the um, organization that holds it today. So that's another interesting interesting little facet of uh, John II. And in a lot of ways, he actually reminds me of um, the real King John in English history. I don't know, I kept having flashes of Magna Carta <laughs> running through my head. Maybe it was the, the same name, I'm not sure. Um, his son Lawrence followed him as Lawrence the First. Then we have three more Johns, John the Third, John the Fourth, and John the Fifth. John the Fifth died in 2009. He died childless, so the throne then passed to Mary Washington through yet another branch on the family tree. Again, because George Washington doesn't have any biological, biological children, you have to do a lot of jumping and changing. So Mary Washington would have been the next uh, logical uh, descendant of the line. And then her son, Lawrence would sit on the throne as Lawrence II. So that does it for another episode of A Frick in Time, and who would be the leader of the United States if instead of a presidency, we lived under a monarchy? I want to thank you again for joining me today. As always, we love having you. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, guys. Which line do you think would win out? Of course, I mentioned I favor a Queen Brenda from that first line, but do you agree with me? Let me know. Or is there some other line that you've discovered that you're like, hey, you didn't look at this one? Because I mentioned there's 8,000 people that um, can claim some kind of relationship to George Washington. There's quite a few lines you can go through. So if you find another one, I want to hear about it. We also still want to hear from you as part of our COVID check-in. Things have changed quite a lot over the last eight weeks. Uh, I've mentioned on the show that my job was affected. And as I sit here recording this, I'm actually stepping back into my office tomorrow for the first time in 56 days. <laughs> but I already know that things are going to be dramatically different than they were back in March, uh, just based on uh, conversations I've had and things I know. So a l- little excited, but a little, little nervous, a little apprehensive. I'm starting to see that very faint light at the end of the tunnel, but I know I have a long way to go until we get to the other side. And I'm only allowed to go back to work because I live in Texas, which is one of the states that is starting to ease restrictions and open back up. Don't really want to get political here over whether you think it's right or wrong, uh, the decision for states to start moving back towards a quote-unquote normal. Uh, But I just wanted to say, again, that we're all in this together and that all of our listeners, no matter where you are in the world you're listening from, you've been on our minds uh, as we move through this time. We are thinking about you. Whether you're still sheltering in place, or you're out and about, or you're somewhere in between, we're thinking about you, and we really want to hear from you. And you can have a number of ways you can do that. You can visit our website, aforkintimepodcast.com, or you can also visit us on social media, on Facebook and Twitter. Those are also great ways to let other people know about the podcast, share the episode. We always post the episode on our Twitter and our Facebook page, so share it uh, so other people can find out about us. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your podcatcher of choice so you never miss an episode. It's so easy. They just appear in your feed whenever we have a new one ready for you. 
Again, we want to thank you for your time listening today. We hope we're doing our small part to provide just a little bit of distraction and again, reminding you that we're all in this together. We're going to get through it. So this is Alexis signing out from another episode of A Fork in Time. I'll end with our famous adapted Yogi Berra adage. As always, if you find a fork in time, take it. Stay safe, everyone, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to A Fork in Time, the alternate history podcast. Learn more about the podcast at www.aforkintimepodcast.com. Join us next time.